let's make some noise for the King of Kings, for the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. And hey, because he is back and because of God's good, good grace, no matter how you walked into this room today, I just want to remind you that God looks at you and he says, that is my son, that is my daughter. You are, you are loved here. You have, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And hey, I just want to ask a favor right now all across this room. Because of God's good, good grace, would you all just get your hopes up for today? Like seriously, can you just raise your expectations for what God is about to do in this place? Not because I'm gonna say anything all that profound, but because Jesus is alive. Jesus is ready to move. Jesus is ready to change lives. Hey, I just believe that nobody's walking out of here not changed. And so let me pray for that. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray over this room right now. As we dive into this message, would you speak to us? Would you remind us that you love us, that we are your children? Call us to more, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Church, you can take a seat. 11 o'clock, it is good to see everybody. Hey, as Doug talked about during the welcome, we are talking about singleness today. You guys ready to talk about singleness? Um, first off, 56% of our city, the city of Austin, is single. Do you, you guys know that? So single people are the majority. But I know enough about preaching by now to know that as soon as Doug said that, a whole bunch of you in this room just said, whoa. I'm off the hook for today. This message is not for me. And I wanna say right off the bat, wrong. This message is for everybody. And if you are dating, engaged, or married, this message is especially for you for two reasons. One, because I want to help you know how to talk to single people. Like, like, like let me help you know how to get through to the single people in your life. So if you have a, a son, a daughter, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a friend, a coworker who is single, this message is for you. But number two, ultimately, this is just a message about contentment. This is a message about learning how to be content. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we're not great at, at being content, are we? Hey, especially when it comes to relationships. Like I called um, like a whole bunch of my single friends this week to ask them like, hey, I'm talking about singleness on Sunday. Like what would you want to hear? And it took me, the first few phone calls were a little weird. It took me a few phone calls to realize what was happening. Cause I would say, hey, I'm talking about singleness. And they would go, yeah, 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 that's great. So talk about like healthy ways to, to meet the right one. And I would go, no, 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 I'm like, I'm, I'm talking about singleness. And they'd go, yeah, yeah, so like ways to set up expectations when you start dating, you know. And I would be like, well, like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. This is a message about singleness, right? And I realized that everybody wants a message about dating, but I wanna give a message about singleness, right? And it shows something, doesn't it? It shows that we are never content in the life stage that we're at. When we're, date, when we're single, we feel this need to be dating. When we're dating, we feel this need to be engaged. When we're engaged, we feel this need to be married. When we get married, we feel this need to start having kids. And, and, and hey, let's let ourselves off the hook for a second. There's a little bit of internal pressure to this. There's a whole lot of external pressure though, isn't there? Uh, like I talk to single people all the time, meet with single people all the time who say things like, uh, I really don't look forward to going home for Thanksgiving. 
Uh, not because I don't love my family, but just because I feel like uh, I'm just gonna feel so much shame for being single the entire week. You start dating somebody, you date somebody for a couple of months, what does everybody do? So, like, she the one, you know? You're like, bro, I just went to, we went to coffee, like, once. Like, what are you talking about, you know? You get engaged, everyone's like, six weeks, eh, eh. And you're like, that's creepy, what, what, what? And then uh, married people, you, you know this, what starts to happen as soon as you get married. So, kids, you know, like, you, you, you're gonna, and it's like, it's like these external pressures just won't let us be content in the season that we're in. And so I wanna give us all, no matter what stage of life you are in, an invitation to learn how to be content right here and right now. Because see, that's what the Bible says. Paul says it this way. This whole message is based off Philippians 4, 12, where Paul goes, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And then get this, I have learned the secret of being content. So uh, first off, apparently contentment is possible. Second off, apparently there is a secret to being content. And third of all, apparently that secret is something that we have to learn. Like even post-salvation, Paul is writing to Christians right now and he's going, you need to learn the secret of being content. And so my goal today, no matter what life stage you are at, is I want to help us discover and learn and step into the secret of being content. But we're gonna do that through the lens of singleness. And let me just say, this is a very personal message for me. Uh, Potentially the most personal message I've ever given. Um, Because I'm 31 years old and I'm single. And not only that, I've been single for about 30.5 of those 31 years. Um, And on purpose, uh, a romantic relationship has never been a a huge desire of mine, but for eight of those years, I've been a pastor in the church. And single people, hey, if you think Thanksgiving is tough, try being like a 23-year-old single pastor. It it was, because you were there in in the beginning, like it was, I got roasted, you guys, every single week, right? Because it's the low-hanging fruit. And so every sermon, every welcome block is just making fun of my singleness, you know? And then like every, uh, and well-intentioned, well-intentioned, every well-intentioned person in the church is like hearing from God that I'm supposed to marry their daughter or their granddaughter or their niece, you know, or their friend or their coworker or whatever. So I'm, I, I remember one time I was on the phone with Ethan, this was years ago, smartest thing he's ever said to me. Because, uh, uh, up top, like when you are, are like getting into this, people use the God card a lot. And you, you're like, what? But if God said, then maybe I'm supposed to do that. And so I called him because I was all, all frustrated about it. And he goes, well, I can guarantee you God's not calling you to be a polygamist. <laughs> and so uh, somebody's not hearing right, right? Uh, but man, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't care what Doug says about Ethan. He says some smart things every once in a while. Um, but man, there was like this script that everybody was telling me I was supposed to follow and it just never made sense to me. And then I would get in my car and I would drive home after services and I, I would think like, eh, is there something like, there's something wrong with me? You know, like, am I, am I missing it somehow? Like, am, am I just 
that far off. Like, like, what is going on? There is this script that the church and that the world is throwing at me, and it just doesn't seem to work for me. But then one day I realized, wait a second, there's a script in the world. Of course there is. But what if I just went back to the word of God? And, and checked out like what the word of God has to say about singleness. This doesn't get talked about much in, in the church, which just blows my mind. And, and by the way, this is my first sermon on singleness, so I'm at fault of this too. I, the nine o'clock was my first sermon on singleness. This is number two, so I'm like an expert now. Um, but like the word of God has so much to say about singleness, it's time we start talking about it. Like you don't need a seminary degree to see it. Either that verse we just read, Philippians 4, was written by this guy named Paul. Paul was a church planner extraordinaire. He uh, wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. He is the OG missionary. He, he took the gospel further than anybody before him. And he did it all not just as a single person, but as somebody who wrote about and talked about speaking very highly of being a single person. Person. Paul was single, and yet in the church, we kind of treat single people like second-class Christians who haven't quite been through like the sanctification process yet, except uh, what are you gonna do with Paul, All right? Uh, let's keep going. I hate to use the ace of spades, but I will. You ever heard of this guy named Jesus? <laughs> Saved us all? Great guy. You should get to know him if you haven't. Save the, save the world as a single person. He was single. So if someone is going to make the argument that you're a second-class citizen, second-class Christian, until you get married, uh, okay, fine, but you, to be fair, you have to say the same thing about Jesus, right? You see how this just falls apart? I could stop right there, but I'm not going to. What about John the Baptist? We don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure there wasn't a Mrs. Baptist. <laughs> like, unless she was cool with eating, like, locusts and wild honey, and like her husband running off to the desert to meditate for, for three years at a time. Like I'm pretty sure John was single. What about Martha? Lots of scholars believe that she was single. And if you look at just the way that she ran her house and the way she talks, it seems like, like she was. She was one of Jesus' best friends. And in fact, Jesus did a ton of his ministry at Martha's house. So if you're keeping score, to recap, we've got the man who paved a way for the savior of the world. We've got Jesus, or one of the savior of the world's best friends who hosted a ton of his events. We've got the man who took the savior of the world's message further than anybody before him. And we have the savior of the world all under the category of single. So don't talk to me like, like, like second class citizen or second class Christian until you go through the sanctification process of, of marriage. It's just, not, it's just not true, man. It's just not true. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Genesis 2.24 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is God's idea and it is a sanctifying process for sure. And it is beautiful and I am a fan of it. In fact, just to be fair, uh, Jesus, who was single, used Genesis 2.24 in a sermon in Matthew 19.5. Jesus was a fan of marriage. Paul, who was single, also used Genesis 2.24 in 1 Corinthians 6.16, 6, uh, 6, right? And, and so, like, let, let's be fair. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am a huge fan of marriage. I've officiated a ton of uh, weddings. I did one just 
last week. I think it is a beautiful process, and I, I want that for you, single people. But, church, I just think we need to stop pretending like marriage is the secret to contentment. Hey, here's where we're going. Marriage isn't the secret to contentment. Singleness isn't the secret to contentment. Following Jesus is the secret to contentment, right? So the script that I heard growing up and all through my 20s as a pastor was, nope, gotta get married before you're really going to, to find that contentment. But when the word of God says something to you that's different than the script that the world throws at you, then here's what you gotta learn how to do. You gotta learn how to flip the script. So today, we're gonna flip the script on singleness. We're gonna have some fun. Flip the script. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's flip the script. Flip the script on singleness. Here's the first one. Do you have the gift of singleness? You guys, I've been asked this question 158 times, Jacob, something like that. They, I get asked this question all the time, right? Because Paul lists list, uh, singleness as one of the gifts, just like hospitality or um, administration, right? But here's the thing about gifts. Like, you can have the gift of hospitality. That doesn't mean that every moment, 24-7, for the rest of your life, you're going to be, like, throwing a party at your house. Do you, you, you know what I mean? Like, you, you realize that, Right? But, but with this gift of singleness, the way that people say it, it's like this like all or nothing thing, right? So people will come up to me and they go, Ryan, um, so you really like being single, huh? And I'll say, yeah, like I, I really, really do. And they go, so do you think you have the gift of singleness? And I'll, I'll, I've learned, it's happened so many times that I've learned how to, how to just have fun with it. So I go, well, well what do you mean? And eventually, it takes them a few questions, but a question or a few questions. But eventually, they say, "Well, Ryan, do you think that you're going to be single for the rest of your life?" Okay. Hey, how could I possibly know the answer to that question? You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes we treat following God like you get saved on Sunday, and then Monday morning, there's a binder on your desk that says, here's Ryan's next 60 years, right? Here's the city you're gonna be called to, here's your career, here's your spouse, here's how many kids you're gonna have, here's how many grandkids you're gonna have. When you're 58, you're gonna get called over to this other spot, and uh, if you have any questions in the meantime, Go ahead and call this number. We'll send Gabriel down. He'll show up in your room. He'll clarify everything. We wanna make sure that you know what's gonna happen every day of your life until you get to heaven, right? Meanwhile, we follow this Jewish rabbi named Jesus who said things like, don't worry about tomorrow. Come on now, stay in the moment. Seek first the kingdom. Look for ways to, to love people today. Look for ways to, to um, move the gospel forward today. And all of these things, like, they'll be added to you as you go, but, but just stay focused on today. Like, we're so obsessed with the future and so single people. I want to set some people free right now. I, I feel like we talk about spiritual gifts over and grow, and when people are filling it out, I feel like people are, like, nervous. Like, oh, no, please not singleness, please not singleness, please not singleness, as if it's, like, that fatalistic, right? Like, I, I stop saying, when, when people come up to me and they go, hey, do you have the gift of singleness? I've learned to flip the script. Here's what I say. Singleness is a gift. Ryan, do you have the gift of singleness? Singleness is a fantastic gift. The season of life that I'm in right now, I absolutely love. 
And, and there's so many gifts to be found in this single season. It's just that we don't always see them because we're so worried about whether this is gonna be like a forever thing, right? Like I'll say it like this, let's go to, to the next one. We are obsessed with, with asking this question, how do I cope with the disadvantages. And I wanna invite you right now, whether you're single, dating, engaged, or married, to flip the script right now. The question is not, how do I cope with the disadvantages? The question is, how do I take advantage of the advantages? There are going to be disadvantages in every season of your life. The better question is, hey, singleness is a gift. How do I take advantage of the advantages? Let's start simple. You guys, my condo, Every square inch of it belongs to me. I can do whatever I want. Every square inch of my condo is mine. I have set that place up for me to thrive. So, so my spare bedroom, I turned into an office so I can do my writing there. My garage, I turned into a gym so I can work out there. I've got my ice bath there. My fridge is full of all the food that I like that makes me feel good. My living room is set up as a place where I can rest and, and recharge. Every square inch of that condo is Mine, go over to Doug's house. <laughs> hey, Doug's got an ice bath in his garage. It's about that big. The rest of his house is not his. Why? Because he has a wife who is much better at interior design than he is. And then he has a crazy dog who follows him everywhere. And he has two kids, one of whom is two years old and has a whole lot of energy. So, so you walk into Doug's house and it's just Will's toys everywhere, man. Like, like, like trains and, and trucks and planes and puzzles. And listen, it's not because Doug and Sam don't do a good job keeping their house in order. They, they really do. It's because Will's idea of playing, it, you guys, the first time I ever like sat down to play with Will's their, their two-year-old, my nephew. First time I sat down to play with Will, he handed me a puzzle. And I was like, oh yeah, Will, like, you wanna, you wanna do this puzzle, great. And, and then like, as I was starting to, to take it apart, he had a truck in his hand. And, and then I was like, okay, so you wanna play with the truck and the puzzle, and then he had a plane in his hand, and then he had his football in his hand. And it took me a second to realize, oh, you're not saying these are the games you wanna play. The game you wanna play is take all of the things that mom and dad have put away nice and neat and just spread them out evenly all throughout the house, right? And I love it. It's great for me because I can leave whenever I want. So I encourage it. I'm like, yeah, 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 Will, this is, this is good. Take that puzzle out, dump those pieces. Make sure some of those pieces go under the couch so it's really hard for your dad to, to get to them, right? And we just have a blast. And then when everybody starts crying, I just go back to my nice condo. <laughs> Amazing. But you asked Doug and Sam about their current life stage, although they're exhausted all, all the time, what they would tell you is, ah, I wouldn't trade it for anything, Right? There's going to be disadvantages every season of life that you're in. The, 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 the goal is not to cope with the disadvantages. The goal is to take advantage of the advantages. Thank you. <laughs> that is good. Hey, by the way, I came up with that. This, this is random. Two weeks ago while I was on a run, and when I thought that, I was so deep in thought. I was on a sidewalk, you guys. I was like that big. And... I was so deep in thought that I literally fell off the sidewalk and twisted my ankle for two weeks. All right, and it hurt for like, like two weeks. And so there you go. And it's just so funny to think like somebody watching that, like, like who just, oh, that's like a 31-year-old who's trying his best right now to, to run and I couldn't even stay. 
take advantage of the advantages. Like my condo, I take advantage of that space. What about finances? Uh, Doug and I get paid the same day, every other Friday. When Doug gets paid, he's thinking, wife, kids, dog. I don't have to think about any of that. I'm literally the only person that I need to keep alive. It's fantastic. Single people, listen to me. Please stop using that extra money to cope with the disadvantages of being single. Hey, it will never be easier for you to get out of debt than it is right now. Never be easier for you to get out of debt than it is right now. Take advantage of this time. Do your future spouse a huge favor. Get yourself out uh, of debt. If you're like, I have no idea how to even do that, go sign up for financial peace right after service. Go hang out with Mitch and Amber. They're so passionate about it. They help, they, that's their story. They help so many people out uh, of debt. It's uh, amazing. Go talk to them after service. Take advantage of the advantages with your finances. For me, it's not, it's not just that. I get to be generous. Hey, I, I'm the only mouth that I have to feed, which means I have the honor of turning around and using that extra money to help um, other kids make sure that they have enough food, right? It's just taking advantage of the advantages. I get to invest wisely for, for my future. Don't use that extra money to cope with the disadvantages of being single. Turn around and start playing some offense. Singleness is such a great time. There's so many great opportunities, so take advantage of the advantages. Or like time. <laughs> if you think you're busy now, get married, right? And then have kids. It's like your time is just going to, it's like a resource that just, go, that just goes and goes and goes and goes. I have more time than Doug and Ethan do. So I could use that time to sit around and binge Netflix and cope with the disadvantages of being single, or I could turn around and play some offense and realize that there are callings and purposes that God has for me, and I have some extra time, so I'm gonna get after it and go run after those things. Single people take advantage of the advantages. I could, this could be a four-hour sermon. I gotta keep moving. Show, I, it won't be, don't worry. I got this. Show your best and hide the rest. That's the next line, right? This is social media. This is the, this is the narrative for single people. Hey, just show the world the best parts about you and then hide the rest. Now, married folks, you have built into your system accountability that keeps you from doing it. Like, like you have another person in your life who is always going to be looking at the rest. You can't hide it from them. Single people, you may not necessarily have that in your life. So there's this temptation as a single person just to show your best to the world and then hide the rest. This is a very embarrassing illustration, but it's gonna set some people free and we value authenticity around here. So here we go. Um, uh, two weeks ago, my buddy Zach Bill. Zach, Zach, are you in this house? Uh, no, he's, he's not here today. Man, maybe he'll be at the six. He's, he's gonna be at one of them. Zach came over to detail my car. Um, he's, he's got a company and he's super good at it. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, Zach, come over and detail my car. I, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I never had my car detailed. I thought he was just gonna wash my car. Zach spent four hours like scraping through every last piece of my car and cleaning it. It was amazing. It smelled fantastic, right? But, but I pay him and he's turning to leave. And Zach goes, by the way, there's a bag with all your stuff in it over there. And I think, oh, like my, like my jumper cables? And he was like, yeah, man, like your jumper cables. <laughs> and he turns to leave and I look and there's just a bag of all of the rest of my stuff that's in my car, 
right? Because I have a system to make my car look clean. I can show my best. So you get in my car, you go, oh, Ryan's car is clean. No, I just hide the rest in places that nobody will ever see it, right? And so I'm going through this and I realize like, like okay, there's a bag with anointing oil if anybody needs prayer after service, uh, peach Keurig coffee because you just make so much coffee in your car, all right? Some essential oil. There's, um, let's see, there's stamps because that's still a thing. There's uh. There's a, look at this, there's a Peyton Manning rookie card. Super important to have that just laying around. Uh, this is, this is, uh, this is really cool. This is um, uh, for my spare key because when I go surfing, when I, when I drive to the beach and I go surfing, I need to put my spare key in here because I can't take it in the water with me. So I put my spare key in here and then I put it underneath my car. It's this really great system. Except guys, I haven't lived in California in three years. You know, like, why is this still in my car? But this is what we do. We just show our best to the world and then we just, just put all the other stuff, just hide, just hide all of that all over there. Single people, here's my question for you. Do you have somebody who will detail your car? Like, not literally. Literally, call Zach if you need somebody. He's awesome. Like figuratively, right? Do you have people in your life who are willing to look at all the places that you, you tend to hide all of the junk to call you out on it, right? We need this in our lives because here's the secret. We, we uh, ignore the, the, the rest because we think like, well, we'll just never have to deal with that. Meanwhile, it just destroys us internally. But Jesus gives us an invitation to actually turn around and face the rest and, and look at it and get help and confess and, and have people like groups and people in our lives who can help us walk through the rest so that we can turn around and live our best. Like, do you know that that's actually what Jesus desires for you? He says it this way, John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And single people, I think that we, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push for a second, but it's out of love. I think sometimes because we just ignore all the pain and all of the junk, right? We get into the habit of thinking that our singleness is the enemy, like, uh, see, it's just the reason that, that I, I'm still, like I don't have any joy and I don't have a calling and all that. It's just because I'm single. Like when the singleness is coming to steal and kill and, and destroy. No, your singleness is not the enemy. Your envy is the enemy. It's your inability to just be here and be present and thrive in the current life stage that you are in. This is what, this is what Satan loves to do. Like in his Monday morning staff meeting with all of his demons, I don't know if that's how it works. He goes, guys, we just need to make sure that they're envious of everybody else around them, right? Because if we can get all the single people to think, oh, if I can just be dating, if I can just be engaged, if I can just be married, if we can get them to focus in on all of the things that everybody else gets to do, then they'll miss out on the beauty of living life right here and right now. Envy steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus comes back to reestablish that and go, no, face the rest, live your best. I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Hey, not when you get over there, but right Proverbs says it like this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. That's like the ultimate flipping the script, isn't it? 
Like which one sounds better, rotten bones or a heart at peace? Right? Like, and the only difference according to, to the word of God is envy. Like if we can just get past this need to, to um, look like when we look at everybody else and think like, ah, gosh, if I just had that, if I could just worship like him, if I could just read the word like her, if I could just be married like that couple, if we could just have kids like them, right? Like the enemy comes in our minds and goes, hey, uh, uh, look at everybody else's life and be envious of it. Jesus gives us this invitation to, to, hey, celebrate other people. Celebrate their calling, but walk in yours. Celebrate what, what, what God's doing in their life and then turn around and go, but hey, I'm right here right now. So God, you have a, a special call in my life, right? This is, guys, I'm telling you, this is the secret to contentment. We gotta flip the script on singleness. Let's keep moving right along. Here's one. I just wanna fit in. I hear this all the time. There's a single people that tell, well, you know, I, I wanna fit in. Okay, this is gonna be the understatement of the year. I'm not a very romantic person. <laughs> You're all like, yeah, no, we've, we've learned that. I'm just not, God just didn't wire me that way. And so this whole narrative of like, there's that perfect one out there for me somewhere, one in eight billion, and I just need to find that one. Like, that narrative has never made sense to me, okay? Now, if that's you, I love it. I love that for you. I'm not, I'm not here to attack that, that narrative. Doug might next week. I'm not here, I like, I've got your back. I'm your friend in this. But as your logical friend, I wanna just help you for a second. If your goal is to find that one in eight billion, why on earth would your strategy be to fit in? You know, like if, if Rob Gronkowski went up to Tom Brady during the Super Bowl and was like, Tom, why aren't you throwing me the ball? I keep running to where everybody else is. He would be like, because you keep running to where everybody else is, right? Gronk got two TDs in the Super Bowl. Why? Because he, he ran to where everybody else wasn't. Gronk wasn't trying to fit in. He was too busy standing out. We gotta flip that script, man. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm here to stand out. Single people, listen to me. The quickest way to fit in is to hide all of the rest and spend all of your time creating social media platforms where you can show your best to the world. It's so tired, you guys. Everybody's doing it. You wanna stand out? Devote the time that you use to keeping up with appearances to cultivating a prayer life that's unlike anybody else's. Hey, not so you can post about it, so that you can be transformed by it. You wanna stand out, read the Bible more than anybody else. Let the Bible, let the word of God renew your mind so that you can be transformed and stand out. Ryan, I don't even know where to start. Go sign up for Discover Ephesians. Hey, the, the letter to, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, who was single by the way, did I mention that Paul was single? Do I, I still have some baggage, I'm working through it, I'm sorry. Right? But Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is brilliantly beautiful. It will transform your life. Deborah and Haley are going to help it come alive for us this spring. Go sign up for, for that. And if you can't make it, hey, just read Ephesians 50 times this spring. It's short. Read it five times a week for the next 10 weeks. 
let, it, let the word of God transform your mind. You'll find yourself standing out. Band, you guys can come back up. We're gonna fly through these last few. I hear this all the time, man. Actually, I don't. People don't actually say this explicitly, but I just observe it and how they talk to me. Well, I want, I want a savior. I want it, but I need a spouse. Uh, a couple of years ago, a guy, we were, it was during the last worship, uh, worship uh, bit. What, I don't even, what kind of pastor am I? I don't even, session, set, song. Bees, that's why you're up front. We were worshiping as a church. This guy comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, mid-worship song and goes, hey, so uh, you guys have, have co-ed groups? <laughs> and I looked at him like, bro, I need you to at least pretend like you're here for God. You know, like at least like let's get through worship before you like play your cards, you know? And, and so we don't say this uh, out loud, but this is sometimes, where, well, yeah, like, like I, I want to save your Jesus, great, but I need a spouse. And, and I, I need to just point out that I feel like we're getting the order wrong. It's not I want a savior, but I need a spouse. Is I need a savior. And then if you want a spouse, great, pursue that. I think that's a, a healthy God-given thing, I've got your back, I'm cheering you on. Hey, let's just make sure we got the order correct. Married folks, let's make sure we have the order correct. I, your spouse, I'm sure, is a lovely human being, but they make a crummy God. And that's not a shot at them, it's an invitation for you to stop putting a pressure on their shoulders that they can never carry, right? We put, God in the, we put God in the right place, then all of a sudden we yeah, go pursue a spouse, pursue a relationship, it's amazing. Let's make sure we got the order right because here's what happens out of that. Let's go to, to the next one. I hear this all the time. Well, I'll be confident. I'll be confident when I find a spouse. Once I find a spouse, like then I'll step into my calling. Can I push for a second? Thank God Jesus didn't wait to find a spouse before he stepped into his calling. I love, I love the salvation that Jesus came to, to bring us. I'm so thankful he didn't wait until he found a spouse to step into. Single people, you're not a second-class Christian who's waiting to find a spouse before God's gonna start to use you. You're just not. And, and I'll take this even a step further. I feel like somebody needs to hear this right now. Uh, I can say this with integrity. I'm 31, I'm single, and I'm fine. Better than fine. I'm really, I love my life. I love my, I love what I get to do and I'm fine. You're okay. God has a calling and a purpose for your life and it can start right here and right now. It's not I'll be confident when I find a spouse. It's I'm confident right now because I have a savior. Confident right now because I have a savior. Paul, our single friend said it like this. Can't believe he wrote something so profound as a single person. Okay, I'm done. That's my last joke there. I'm healing from it. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Where was Paul's confidence? Wasn't it a spouse? Couldn't have been. <laughs> it was in Jesus. He goes, no, I'm confident because I know who Jesus is and I know that Jesus began a good work in me. So even though I, I get distracted from time and time, I know that Jesus is pulling me forward toward being the man of God that I'm called to be. 
Meanwhile, I'm going to step into my calling right here and right now. And that brings us to our last one. And I, I think if I could say anything, here's what I want to say. It doesn't matter what stage of life you are in. Red Rocks Church, we have, we have this saying like in the back of our minds where we just go, man, I, I just, well, I just have to survive right now. I just have to survive until I can get there. And I'm just tired of it, man. I like, I get it. I know that life throws us curveballs all the time. It's really, really difficult all the, the, the time. But I'm done saying I'm just going to survive until I get there. I'm ready to flip the script and say I'm going to thrive right here. Bring on the challenges, bring on all the disadvantages. I'm gonna start taking advantage of the advantages and I'm going to thrive right here, right now. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine named Keith uh, a couple of weeks ago. We do this little side project where we uh, tell stories in scripture and we call it stories in scripture. It's super creative. And, and we were working on season five, talking on the phone. And as we're talking through it, he tells me the story and it just made this sermon click for me. He goes, man, a couple of weeks ago, I went on a beach trip with my, with my family. He's got a, an amazing wife and two amazing kids awesome family and uh, he goes hey going to the beach used to be a lot different when I was single he said when I was single it just looked like me and a good book and that was it uh, but now my vacation at the beach looked like me chasing around my two kids all day long, making sure they have enough sunscreen on and then making sure uh, we get the sunscreen out of their eyes and then making sure they don't go too deep into the water and then making sure that everybody is well fed, making sure that everybody has plenty of fresh water, right? And then he gets to the end of his, his vacation at the beach and he told me, he goes, I was walking up the stairs back up to my car and I had four beach chairs around my back and then I was carrying our cooler while I was yelling at my kids not to get too far out ahead of me and to remember to, to hold on before they go in the car so I can wipe the sand off of their feet. And I looked down the beach and I see a, a single guy reading a book and he said, for one moment, I start to feel sorry for myself. I start to go, well, this is ridiculous. And then he said, he had this moment where he just realized, man, like, this is what I wanted. Like, this is what I asked for. And of course, there are going to be disadvantages to, to every season of our life, but there's so much beauty to be discovered. And so Keith just starts laughing as he discovers the secret of being content, which is to realize that it's all just crazy. But if you can laugh about it, there's so much beauty to be discovered all around. And man, I, I heard that and I was like, that's what I want everybody that comes to this service to get. Single, dating, engaged, married. Hey, empty nesters. I, I, I felt this on Wednesday morning. I was praying over this service. I, I, I felt like I was supposed to, to, to say this. There are lots of empty nesters in, in this room who um, maybe have had some dreams that have been put on hold while they were raising kids. And like you raise kids, you put those dreams on hold. Well done, great job. Um, but now you've been given back this resource called time and maybe you don't quite know what to do with it because you haven't had any of it in 25 years. And I just want to say thank you and, and well done. And it's time to start dreaming again. The, those dreams, those, those seeds that God planted all those years ago, I feel like God's saying those have been growing roots for 25 years 
and now you're coming back, but this time with a whole lot more wisdom and a whole lot more life experience, which by the way, is something that we desperately need around here and we have been praying for around here. And so empty nesters, hey, it's time to start dreaming again. It's time to start asking God what he has for you in this season again. And he's ready to give those things back to you. Church, wherever you find yourself, hey, single people, wherever you find yourself today, can I just encourage you, you don't have to survive until you get there, you can thrive right here. You don't have to survive until you get there, you can thrive right here, why? Because hey, we know the end of the story, don't we? We, we know that the end of the story is Jesus coming back for us, this time, not as a baby in a manger, but as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords, his robe already drenched in blood, and, and get this, right? Because we, we hijack this sometimes and go like, hey, he's coming back to start war. No, the war was in the grave 2000 years ago. The war's already been won. He's not coming back because he's out for our blood. He's coming back because he overcame with his. Church, he came back to set us free and he's going to say, behold, I make all things new. So to the lonely person in this room right now, hey, I get it, man. Single people, I get the loneliness. Can I just tell you, your loneliness won't last. It won't. There will be a day where we will all be joined together with no rivalries, with no breakups, with no awkward DTRs. We'll just all be together singing, Behold, the Lamb of God is overcome together as one body, every tribe, tongue, nation. To you who can't get past the envy, let me just remind you, envy's not eternal. There will come a day where you will no longer feel plagued by that. And let me say this, this is the last thing I'll say to the person who's struggling with addiction right now in this room. Hey, maybe you've fallen down a hundred times. I need to remind you to get up 101. I need to remind you that the end of the story is Jesus goes up making all things new. And so your future is not that addiction. Do you get that? You need to get that in your soul right now. Your future is not that addiction, Christian. Your future, that, your addiction is not gonna last forever. It's a battle that you're in right now. Keep pressing in, keep getting help, keep worshiping, keep moving forward and start reminding your present self what the word of God says about your future. Because there's coming a day where you'll be free from all of that. And so whether you are single, dating, engaged, or married, can I just tell you, we don't need to wait until that day. We can start rehearsing for eternity right here. We can start thriving right where we are at. Church, would you guys stand up to your feet with me? Father God, we love you so much. We thank you that one day, Lord, we will be singing, Behold, the Lamb of God is overcome. And so right now in this moment, Lord, we wanna rehearse for eternity. We wanna rehearse for eternity. And so every, every uh, person in this room, as your uh, uh, heads are bowed, and as you uh, get ready for this worship service, Lord, would you right now, Lord, set us free. Set us free from loneliness. Lord, set us free from addiction. Would we be reminded, Lord, that the Lamb is overcome in Jesus'